Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hangs. I'm Sebastian from UQ Art Museum, and today I'm joined by two strangers who have yet to meet, and we'll be taking them around our newest exhibition, uh, Still in My Mind, Gurindji Location, Experience and Visuality. Today, our first guest is Nick Carra. How are you, Nick? I'm good, Sebastian. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, Nick is a lecturer in the School of Communication at the University of Queensland. And my second guest is Rihanna Patrick. Welcome. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Rihanna is a journalist with ABC Radio. Veteran journalist. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) This is a good start. (laughs) So, guys, today we'll be having a walk through this exhibition. Uh, It's an exhibition which looks at the 50-year anniversary of the Wave Hill walk-off, which started the land rights movement in Australia. But it's more than that. It is an art exhibition, and so you can expect to see paintings, drawings, prints, video installation. You'll also uh, find a lot of historical material, and you will learn a lot about the Gurindji people. Uh, I hope you have a great time hanging out. I'll see you at the end. Bye-bye. first thing that strikes me about this is I like the black walls. Yeah, me too. It makes, it's like a house goal right now to have an entire house that just has black walls because I think it looks amazing. It does. It makes everything uh, pop out. Like, you know, it feels like there's like endless space behind every object on the wall. Which is odd because normally you have white walls in in an exhibition so that you can clearly see the artwork, whereas this actually lends itself to really exposing the artworks and the colour in a lot of these artworks that are in this room. That's true, it makes the colour really pop. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of because if you then turn left again in the exhibition and kind of look straight down right, that straight wall, in front of you, you yeah. see the photo, which is the photo through which most Australians know this moment, right? And it's yes. the photo that Merv Bishop takes of Gough Whitlam pouring the sand into Vincent Lignari's hands. Uh, and again, the framing of that photo is kind of, you know, it's framed, it's framed tightly around the two people, whereas this painting on the wall is not like that. This... There's a reason for that. Yep. Most people would know that photo, but they would not know that that was the second time that photo got taken. Oh, really? So See, Un- I don't even know that. When I spoke to Uncle <laughs> Mervyn Bishop about wow. the taking of that photo, he told me it was originally done under that shed behind them. Yeah. See that sort of shed in the background? Yeah, yeah. The light was really bad. And wow. Uncle Mervyn was just not happy with it because he was working for a major newspaper at the time taking that photo. And he said to them, can I just get you to move out into the light and can you just do that again? So wow. he actually, when you see the original photo that was taken, it's extremely dark because they're under a tin shed. There's not a lot that. of light. Think, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the second photo that was taken and that's the photo that made the cut. Ah, and this becomes the famous photo. And that became, becomes ah. the famous photo that pretty much inspires artwork, it inspires song, it inspires others to follow in that history. Sure, sure. The light in that photo always strikes me. I remember a friend, um, a colleague actually, who came from overseas to live in Australia and went out, you know, drove out west for the first Mm. time. And and he said, the thing that struck me is the light. I've never seen light like that anywhere in the world. And I've heard a few people say that when they go out that into too. the like, yeah, There's just something about the light. That it's a very yeah. different kind of light in yeah. the centre of Australia. Yeah, yeah. That you don't get 
elsewhere, or in right. the Northern Territory, I've heard that it's yeah, that yeah, yeah I've it's heard very different, different to say Queensland light, yeah, and then it's different again to Western Australian right. light. And I don't know how to yeah. describe it, but and but the but I it's think like that, that captures it. Though, that's something. There's something about that. Yeah, there's something about because you look at how well lit they are too. It looks like there's some enormous flash, like the biggest flash you've ever seen. Yeah, has been used. Or they've got like a massive spotlight there, but you know yeah. that there wasn't yeah, because they're right. nowhere near really electricity where they no. are taking this photo. No. But, you know, the face of Gough Whitlam is lit. The face of that yes. old man is lit. You, you know, everything in that just sings colour. It's like this whole room reveals something of this moment of the walk-off and, like, different ways of seeing it. Like, I think white Australians see it as, a, as, a, as a, an agreement between pe people and about the people involved. And then there's another perspective that sees it as being about country mm. that's sort of in the background, I think to a lot of, do you know what I mean? Like there's a juxtaposition of perspectives here. Some of the perspectives tightly framed about the events. Yeah. And others paying attention to what this was about was country and ways of life on country and so on. We've kind of turned a corner. We're into the next room now. Yeah, we're into the kind of second room. I love these selfies. Yeah, so this is a wall of selfies by Brenda Croft, who's the curator and one of the artists in the exhibition. Uh, and she took these on country. So on Gringy. Yeah. And she's Gringy as well. Right. It's interesting as you keep looking at them, or you, you bit by bit you realise that every selfie's taken a different time of day. You've got evening and morning and long shadows and soft light and bright light and so on. And some of them she's closer to the camera, she's yeah. taking the selfie so you see more of her face. Others she's a little bit further away in the frame. Yeah. Some she has her eyes closed in. It's, um, and her face is kind of lit in different ways. There's this kind of, as you look at them, all of a sudden you see this kind of relationship between her and country that's kind of played out in the different textures of the images or something. It's, it's kind of cool, to like, because so much of the public moral panic about selfies is about a culture of narcissism and self-obsession. Exactly, blah, blah, blah. which is, is what I of, love yes. about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists right. showing that it can be used in a completely different context. Right that isn't in that yes. mainstream ideal of what the selfie says and what the selfie is about. Right. Yeah, that it can right. actually show that it's more about connection to country, connection yeah. to yourself, yeah, like connection a, to place. Yeah, like ways of exploring your relationship between you and the world and you and the country and so on. I think it sets the bar. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> And then when we turn around, so if we have Brenda Croft's selfies behind us on that wall, yeah. and I don't trip over this chair that's in no, front no. of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'd fall straight into the installation on the ground. This floor, would hurt. This is, <laughs> very this much is a tetanus hurt. shot. <laughs> this really. is more than, yeah, It this really is. is. It's an entire <clears throat> sort of like a really long white table, but on the ground, a raised, yeah. sort of semi-raised platform, not too high. It's about not even ankle height, is it? Yeah. Oh, actually, it is ankle height for bad me because I'm height. short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got pieces of rusty wire, horseshoes, plates, um, kind of like what looks like an old bit of what could have been a tin billy. Yeah, billy's there. Um, Oh, some cattle stuff? Yep. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that. Like old, a bit of an old stirrup, things like that. A bit from a horse. A bit, yeah. yeah. There's a bit of bone even. Yeah. 
And it's like, what are they? They're kind of the artifacts of, of Aboriginal labour in a sense, right? Yeah. And, and she's kind of picked them up off country. I mean, these are kind of the objects that those stockmen would have worked with every day. It would have been their hands on these, on this wire, on these horseshoes, on these yeah, billies. Yeah, twisting you know? the wire, yeah, fixing fences. Yeah. yeah, so you kind of, particularly in the wire, you can kind of feel the work of their hands or something. I can't imagine. I do like though yeah. that most of the horseshoes are in the right position. What do you mean by that? They're in the good luck position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> So My mum grew up on a farm. She had this particular thing about that as well. So <laughs> even the, if you're standing on the side that we're standing on, yeah. they're in the right position. But if you go over to the other side... Oh, yeah, every time you walk around, you're it, almost always, yeah. They're all, yeah, pretty much... <laughs> the right way up. Yeah. But I also like how the light plays on the shadows too that it creates on the ground. Too. Totally, yeah. So it kind of leaves this impression that you know that that object has been there too. I don't know if that was the point. I don't know either. But Maybe I'm yeah. just making a lot of things up right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the opposite wall, so there's two other walls yes. that kind of were behind us. Yes. With the tetanus thing in the middle. The tetanus thing. <laughs> it is like, the, I'm uh, seriously like, I'm really it. worried <laughs> I'm going to fall into it and then I'm going to need my boost to shuttle something. I'm like... This it's is a very city slicker attitude. It's like as soon as you come within 10 metres of anything rusty, you're like, everyone, no, everyone. No, it's called Brianna's accident prone. That's likely to happen. You need to be as far away from it as possible because that would just be awkward trying to explain to the university what happened to their installation. Um, but there's sort, of, there's sort of two other walls and then the wall in front of us. Can I take these home? <laughs> these are amazing. Like you look at these, you just like you just want them, or you just want to go and touch them, or eat them, or something. Or something. They're just it's... so amazing. They're so bright. Very interesting. Yeah. So the first really bright pink print is a it depicts the humpies where the Aboriginal people lived on mm -hmm. the station, um, and the um, after the walk-off, it just says at the end, after the walk-off, all the humpies and belongings that people left behind were bulldozed. So this was like where they lived, but once they walked off, the station bulldozed it. And then the, this, this incredibly bright turquoise one is the, the piece of little ration boxes. Oh, of course. Given, yeah. So is the yellow the butter? People were given a calico flour bag, which they had, which they had to wash, and then on Friday go to the store to receive their weekly supply of rations. The rations limited to a scoop of tea, sugar, flour, rice, golden syrups and matches and tobacco. Oh, okay. So it represents, I've just taken it literally and gone, yellow must mean butter. The, the butter. <laughs> or what's this, like the lavender oil? And the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're, um, I don't know, like, because that just looks so delicious, <laughs> you know? Is it, it really bad that the previous painting reminds me of a licorice all sorts? Right, like you just want to eat these, but they're not, de they're not depicting that. Kind of in the final room, and the thing that catches me again is that it's sort of similar. But is it the final room? Uh, well, maybe it isn't. What's around the corner? Oh, we haven't we been around, around the corner the yet. The this is kind of like the first room we went to, to in the sense that there's this juxtaposition then again of like um, objects. Well, at, at two ends of this room are the, uh, is the anthropologists who've collected things. In this case, so these yes. are these are images that were from that indigenous people on the station drew in the 
40s, 40s yeah. that anthropologists at the time collected. collected. Um, and then, so you have that kind of like, just in those two middle rooms was sort of Brenda's work, like contemporary work by Brenda, right? Yes. And, and that, that kind of perspective. And then here you get that kind of, yeah, that historical kind of play between. It is, because even the colours, so it's brown paper and right. they're in white frames on this black wall. But there's figures drawn in in kind of what looks like ochres. So there's like a, a red ochre, a white ochre, a yellow ochre. I'm mm -hmm. guessing because I haven't read the plaque. Maybe we should. <laughs> I don't. They, what's ah, the fun in to. that, Nick? Come on. <laughs> Let's wing it. Yeah, completely. Um, but they look, they remind me of the bison in the French caves. Oh, yeah. They look yeah. really... Ancient. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the brown paper gives the feeling of a, a wall, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's primitive at all. What I'm saying is that's what it reminds me of, the very famous bison on the French caves, yeah. those cave paintings that were found. But again, you get like, these are unsettling in the sense that you're not sure on the, like, the terms on which these sorts of images were produced. Like, like you know yeah, where they what, just made to sit down and here's some paper right and like something. yeah the paper like has a particular kind of like here's our paper but can you bring your ochre and yeah um there's just that yeah there's a real what's I don't know, the intent yeah there's an uneasiness about these images that there's not there's no uneasiness about brenda's images right because she's done those on her own terms yeah yeah but then there's these more images by brenda you get that uneasiness again because She's uh, here a series of portraits and she's overlaid them with colonial terms in a kind of colonial typeface. Um, yeah, so you've got the full blood, the native, the half caste, the quarter caste, and right. the octoroon. Right. And like if you compare those portraits to Brenda's selfies a couple of rooms ago, do you know? Like the, her selfies are so, I don't know, they feel so. There's life in them. Yeah, so on her own terms. And so, do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're really powerful images, whereas these are deeply unsettling images. She, there's a kind of weaving um, of, uh, just in the, in the plate for these images, uh, it says her image challenges debasing classifications of Indigenous people use now and in the past, also highlighting there's no single Indigenous way of being. And the way she kind of wove that a little bit into her work, walk-off video as well, where you had the kind of images of her walking on country with the kind of documents that the British were making to describe and kind of account for and classify Indigenous people. Yeah, and this the way, the, you know, it's a thing that runs, I mean, that historical classification still runs into the way that, you know, those conversations around identity are right. framed and why people don't understand that it's, you know, where these terms come from, but also why sometimes these terms are not used, why they can be deemed offensive, right. Right. because it's a quantifying of who you are right. by... Right people who don't know you. That's right, yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of, I mean, the work in itself is obviously making a comment on the whole classification of identity. There's a real feeling as we walked through that, that she walked us in in the middle, walked us into a way of seeing country, and then she's walked us back out into this uneasy kind of juxtaposition of perspectives of anthropology. The legacy of and, history. Yeah, the le legacy, legacy of historical yeah. context of yeah. what Australia's history is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then you go towards sort of the end of her contemporary 
wall, this really long wall, yep. to then this really interesting kind of... Oh, well, it's kind of two things. Like, this Kingsford Smith yeah. one, again, is, like, it's a funny story, but it's a kind of, like, in the sense that King... So it's, like, depicting Kingsford Smith crashed his plane and they couldn't find it. And no one thought to ask any of the... Aboriginal people living right, right. <laughs> living there. Have yeah. you seen this dude and yeah. a crashed plane? <laughs> and I don't know, like, it's funny in the sense that, I don't know, I get the feeling like Aboriginal people, like, these guys have, like, no clue. Like... But in it's one that, respect, or? but I think it's also. I mean, I think it ties in too exactly to what she's saying here with the native and the half caste and the full blood um, words that we have here. Mm. That they didn't deem the Aboriginal people living on that country intelligent enough to have a conversation. They're just fauna and flora, which they right. were at the time. So it kind, I feel like it kind of ties in it in does. that context that they didn't even feel the need right. to ask these people living on country because what would they know? Yeah, they, they're invisible. And, and like, at the time, that's what you were. You were right. invisible. And it's not just that they were invisible, but it was also like to the to the colonial settlers, they didn't recognise that the Aboriginal people living on the country could had a way of seeing country, right? They couldn't see inside that. They couldn't acknowledge that or, or it never occurred to them or what, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, yeah. It's yeah. A, so I think that's actually a tie-in. It, yeah, it runs through I the whole thing. I think that's a whole... Yeah. Maybe we've cracked it. <laughs> Japanese dude. And like, uh, these, do these two feel like these two at the end feel a little kooky, the Kingsford Smith thing and the Japanese anthropologist at the end? It's just like both of them have, I don't know, something um, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like remember at the very end, at the very start of the exhibition, there was images by a white colonial English. There were two sets of images by white colonial English yeah, the white dudes. anthropologists. The English dudes. Right at the start of the 20th century. And then you have this guy toward the end of the 20th century, a Japanese anthropologist. Which I love. Which, yeah, all of a sudden. And it's on a country. completely different perspective. It's a completely different perspective. That's right. Yeah. But it all ties together because of his connection to Gurindji. Right. And what his legacy is yep. with the Gurindji legacy as well, which is, yeah. Yeah, there's just something like a shifting of perspectives and ways of seeing it country or something that go that's kind of yeah that you arrive at here yeah but that this guy in japan who's not even from australia right. has a trust that his sister's making of all of this stuff you know the money goes into this trust which then goes back to Gurinji because of his connection to Gurinji. yeah even though he's no longer on this earth yeah but that someone so far away could have that connection, that connection too exactly yeah yeah and can understand the importance of what it was that happened. Yep. So, hey, Sebastian. uh, Nick. Sebastian's back. How he's are you guys? He's Maybe he's been kind of, you know, sort of just around the corner trying, the whole time. I've been trying to <laughs> leave you alone. That's why the walls, like the black walls, he's <laughs> just like, kind of just come like out <laughs> of them. Absolutely. How did you guys go? Yeah, that was fascinating. It's really interesting to kind of walk it room by room and sort of get a feeling of something being stitched together. I don't know, you're being kind of gently drawn through something. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and just I suppose the conversations of how each of the pieces are also connected too. And we really like this end of it. I think the ending is the most fascinating part okay. of this exhibition. Okay. It's not what you would have expected at the start, No. walking your way through. Whereas that seems like a natural end of where the story has gone, right. where the story yeah. is going. Where yeah. the, the, it's kind of the future story. 
Yeah. Well, fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us today. And I'm, I can't wait to hear what you uh, say when we play it back. Of course, everybody who's listening now <laughs> will, will have heard well, it. Well, we had to spend a large amount of the walk uh, pointing out pieces of work she intended to take home with her. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so... We'll, you might just want to do an account. Right, okay. <laughs> She's like, that'll look good in my house. This will look good in my house. Fantastic. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. All right, well, uh, thanks again for joining us and um, thank you for listening to Hangs. Uh, This episode has been produced by Armani Vasiliou and we'll see you next time. Thank you.